You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. And we are brought to you by Oneness Ministries. You can contact us at oneness-ministries.org or go to our website if you'd like. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can also go to our website and click the podcast tab button. Oh, I'm nervous and excited. And my co-host, we're changing um, a position. We're adding a position and I have a new co-host, Clint. I didn't even know that. So, wow. Yeah, (laughs) we're doing this together. We're starting a new series. In the past, we've just done interviews, but this is going to be a series. And tell us a little bit about your idea. For yeah, well, I approached Rick about uh, going through a book together to just talk about some truths. I think that one of the things that's been bo- most beneficial in my life is to not only just look at the truth, but look at the lie and what truth we need to replace it with. And so that's what we hope to do. What's the name of the book? Uh, the name of the book is 52 Lies Heard in Church Every Sunday and Why the Truth is So Much Better by yes, Steve McVeigh. Steve McVeigh. And I read that book, and I've studied that book. We've done a class, and I think this is a good topic because a lot of the things we're going to talk about sound like really good spiritual ideas, but they're misleading in right. how they're presented. Would you agree with that? Yes. So let's start. Let's start. The let's first one. Salvation is giving your life to Christ. That's the first lie we hear. Well, that sounds good right off, doesn't it? Sounds it? great. But why is that? Why is that not true? Well, let's let's read about it. What you got? Okay, salvation is not a matter of you giving your life to Christ. In fact, it has nothing whatsoever to do with what you have given God. Grace revolves around what He has given us, not what we gave to Him. You receive eternal life not because you gave your life to Christ. You received eternal life because he gave us his life. The distinction might seem subtle, but it's important. It is the nature of the religious perspective to focus on what we do instead of what our gracious God has done. Religionists like to think that when we have given in a certain way, God reacts to them. Yeah. Okay, you have to comment more than just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We'll work on that. Well, I think a good thing to talk about before we get into that is when you say religionist or religion, what we're referring to. How would you define that? I would define, as a matter of fact, it's written down right here. Let me see if I, I said above that religious people like to think, nope, that's the wrong one. Today, religion is universally, almost universally refers to a set of behavioral standards derived from a person's religious belief. Keep in mind this con- contemporary use of the word. It's kind of, it is this kind of religion that I'm criticizing by observation. So it's based on what um, behavioral standards you have. Right. It's based on what belief systems you're influenced by. And a lot of that causes us to um, want the, 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 the very fact that we use this word salvation is giving your life to Christ means that it's about me doing something for God. It's a religious activity. Yeah. So defining that helps because, you know, 
you hear a lot of people say, well, they're really religious or, mm-hmm. you know, Christianity is a religion or things like that. And to not know what we're referring to. So when we refer to religion in here, we're kind of saying it negatively, like, right. Yeah, right. And, and I always say this when I'm talking to people is that it was the religious people that killed Christ. Right. Yeah. It's, it's approaching your relationship with a set of standards that you're going to keep to get God's acceptance. Yes. Yeah. So salvation is giving your life to Christ. Um, I'm going to read this next part. We didn't start the ball rolling regarding our salvation. He did. And to suggest otherwise diminishes him and, and exalts us. That's an important distinction to make Yes, is that it, I exalt, I make it about me when I try to do stuff to please God. Right. Yeah. Because it's a, it becomes a self-focus and that's really, to me, that's the basis of religion is focus on self mm-hmm. versus focus on our savior. If that, that might be corny sounding, but I, it's a different focus. I think that that quite possibly is the first um, thing that Satan tempted Adam and Eve with is that you can be God. You can make these decisions. You can choose what's right and wrong. And it becomes up to you. And I think that's not what God wants. God yeah. wants dependency, not independency. Yeah, because with dependency, you get relationship. Right. Independence is me doing my own thing and dragging, you know, in my mind, dragging God along with it. Right. Versus following him. There's a little part that I highlighted here that I thought was really good. It says grace revolves um, around what he has given us, not what we give him. You receive eternal life, not because you gave Christ your life. You receive eternal life because he gave his life for you. Exactly. Yeah. So it puts Christ at the center. It puts his sacrifice, his coming after us at the center, which, you know, sometimes doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a big, it's a big shift for us mentally to go, I'm not bringing something to the table here to offer God, but I'm actually coming to the table to receive what God has to offer to me. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I'm going to read this next part. Um, Salvation is God's work. Yes. Not me, not mine work. Um, Our response to him, our response to him is because he initiated the whole thing. We love because he first loved us. And I think this may be what your grace means, that we are merely merely recipients of what he did through Jesus Christ. He's the initiator. He's the activator. He's the perpetuator of our salvation. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, it's him. We contribute. And this is, this is so important that, that you hear this statement. We contributed nothing towards our salvation. It almost sounds wrong to say in a way, doesn't it? Because of the just the religious overtones of, well, I'm giving my life to God. I'm I'm I've got to do something. I got to be something. Yep. But it's really a receiving. I mean, we've all said that verse a million times. We love because He first loved us. But do we really believe that that it is a response to God, or do we even understand that we it is possible for us to love apart from God, because He's the initiator of love. We're used to, I mean, everything about our world is designed where we give something and we get something in return. We right. go to work, you put your hours in, you get a paycheck. You, The harder you work at 
you know, even if it's a hobby, the harder you work at it, the better you become at it. Right. And God's economy is different. And so sometimes it messes with our mind, even without having, you know, been presented it, somebody presenting it to us wrongly before. Right. You're right. And the theme is consistent. It's not about us. It's about him and what he has done because of his love for us. Holy cow. How many years of my life did I worry about what can I do to get God um, to accept me, to um, pay attention to me? What can I do? I'm screwing it all up. The God, the gospel has nothing to do with mankind reaching up to God to give him anything. That brings me to one of the passages that it brought up in the book, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of our works, so that no one may boast. I think that sums up this thought really well. Yes, it does. It does. So that no one may boast. And that was really important to Paul. Mm -hmm. It is a gift. We, we have to put this into context. We have at our disposal two covenants. We have the first one, the old covenant that, that God made with a man. And we have the second covenant that God made with himself. The first covenant is about us doing the right things. And he spent 5,000 years with this one group of people proving that you can't do it apart from him. Right. And then Jesus at the moment Jesus died and was resurrected, the new covenant was in effect. Mm -hmm. You can't have um, you, you can't have the you can't have the will and testament if somebody hasn't died. Right. So the New Testament came at the point that Jesus died and was resurrected. So the new covenant is about God's gift. The old covenant is about us trying to earn it. The two are not compatible. No, you can't have both. You can't have both. You have to either give in and accept what God has given us, or you spend your life trying to earn it. And nobody can. No. He didn't come into our lives, but we entered into his life. That's the truth about our salvation. And that answers the question about lie number one. And it also shows something of God's heart, his constant initiation toward us. Um, I don't think that for a lot of my life I believed that. I believed that I believed that religious thought that it was up to me mm -hmm. to pursue God. And when I started to realize that God was a pursuer of me, um, the peace that it brought in my life and the trust that I was able to then have in God's goodness because I knew he's the one in charge of this relationship. Right. He's the one coming after me. And when I do that, for one, I relax. And when I relax, then I'm open to hearing what he has to say and walking with him. And it, it sounds opposite, you know, you're it like, does. oh, you can't relax. You know, you got to push, push, push. But it's in that resting that, that we grow. Yes. And if you can't live in God's freedom, then you live in bondage. 
And God did not does not intend for us to live in bondage. No. He says that several times. <laughs> yes, several times he says that. Lie number two. Lie number two. It says Christians are just sinners saved by grace. What a misleading thing to say. It feels so humble. <laughs> it, it does. I'm just a sinner. Yeah, it, it sounds very humble, but it is not true. It's not. Most likely, we've all been told we are just sinners saved by grace. We probably hear no error reported in the church more often. People, and this is so true, people will not act consistently in ways that are contrary to what they believe about themselves. This is a foundational issue in life because it's, the, it's an identity issue. The bottom line is that over the long haul, you will act like you think who you are. Mm-hmm. Your self-assessment will affect what you expect. If you believe you are fundamentally a sinner, your default setting will be to act like a sinner. Yeah, and I remember when I first had this presented to me. It wasn't in this book, but it was um, some classes I was taking, and I and I thought, what are they talking about this whole, you know, you're going to act like you believe about yourself. I mean, what, you know, it just, it sounded like we're just supposed to, you know, throw some fairy dust on there or something and change the way we think and everything's mm-hmm. going to change. I thought that's, that's a, there's no way that actually works. There's no way that it works. But the more that, that I started to learn about it and stuff, I realized, I mean, if you want to take it down to something simple, you take a kid that's their whole life's been told they're worthless and they're no good and stuff. And then you expect them to grow up to Mm -hmm. be something and do something with their life. Like you, we all know how that kid's going to turn out. We do. And, um, so I think that that says like in our relationship with God, if you believe I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then you're going to act like what? A sinner. A sinner. You're going to act like a sinner. Um, and this next statement is so true. Constant, we are constantly trying to behave in a way that doesn't seem natural, and that will wear anybody out. It's tiring. It's tiring. Been there, done that, got that T-shirt. That's why we must. Know, <laughs> that's why we must know the truth about who we are. Truth is not determined by our feelings, the opinions of others, or our behavior. It's determined by who? God. It's what God says. Yeah. And what does God say? Well, he says a lot of different things. He says we're his child. He says right. that we're righteous. He says that we're made in his image. He, he has only good things to say about us. That's right. And this is this is so important to understand that the cross worked. It worked. All our sins are forgiven. The past ones, the present ones, and the future ones. The sin issue is resolved. It is no longer an issue for us. We are not sinners saved by grace because we can't identify with sin at all because it's forgiven. We are free from it. And hopefully this isn't a rabbit trail, but one of the ways that when I first started hearing that, that my sin was covered, past, present, and future, that really helped me was the fact that when Jesus died, all my sins were in the future. Mm-hmm. That is and not, so it's that like is a true statement. So if all my sins were in the future, then, then all my sins are covered. They're, no, yeah. they're they're not covered. Well, they're gone. We're going to get to that. We're going to we? get to that line. <laughs> in a minute. All your sins are gone, and yes, that's the next chapter, I believe. 
I guess I still quote some of those those lines, huh? Yes. <laughs> and Paul described what took place. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the process of making us alive in Christ, God didn't have to revamp the old creation. He created something brand new. And that's us. That's us. Brand new. I was thinking about that. Like if you go to the store and you want to exchange an item that's defective, you want a new item, right? Right. You want it all new. Well, I, I had a, for instance, when I had a, a tool that I was shipped for my job and it was defective and I called the company and said, I want a replacement. And they said, no, send us your old one. We'll fix it and send it back. And I was like, that's not what I paid for. <laughs> I didn't pay for my defective one to get fixed. And right. that, that's what we're saying here, that, that you weren't defective and just needed a repair. You needed a new car. A you, new, you didn't need an oil change. You needed a new car. You needed a new life. <laughs> In Christ, you are no longer a sinner. Paul told the Galatians that God put the sinner to death with Jesus on the cross and created what you just said, somebody brand new. Brand new. That's what we are. We, we died with Christ. We were resurrected with Christ. That's an important part of the gospel. You know, we believe the gospel that God sent his only begotten son to do what? To die for us. To die for us. And then what happened? It was more, that's only part of the gospel. Right. He was resurrected into a new life, yeah. which we have had, we have shared in that resurrection. We have a new life. People live, and I include myself in this as well, people live out of their old life, out of their old behaviors. It, they live in regret. They live in sadness. They live in, with the idea that what they have done up until Christ defines them. Yeah, well, I mean, we're still carrying around this sack of bones we live in, and yeah. so sometimes we're like, this feels more real, yes. you know, and the sack of bones has some maybe some old habits in it that we haven't quite worked through, but that doesn't change our identity. That's right. We have a new identity, and our new identity is Christ. And not only do we have a new identity, but we have a new history. We have a new past, and that is Christ. And we have a new future, that is Christ. All three of those together define us because it is God's gift to give us the newness that that took away, that did away with sin. There was one thing in here in the book that it said. It said the New Testament calls you a saint 63 times. And a saint means a holy one. Yep. I think I think God wanted us to get it. He wanted us to understand. That you are a saint. So the opposite is you're either a sinner or you're a saint. That's right. Now what you believe doesn't change the truth, but what you believe will change how you walk out your Christian life. Amen. Amen. You are you aren't a sinner anymore. Nobody's suggesting that you won't sin. Nobody's no. suggesting that you won't do something stupid because I'm the master of stupidity. <laughs> I do th stupid things every yeah. day, but it doesn't define me. No. It doesn't affect my relationship to God because I am forgiven. Are we giving you permission to sin? May it never be. Yeah. Go try it. It doesn't feel good and that doesn't work well. No. So that says that you have 
Christ in you. That's why it doesn't it doesn't work for you. Yep. You are a sinner. You are not you are not a sinner anymore. A sinner is dead, having been crucified with Christ. Now you are a child of God. And I miss this verse. And hopefully when we when we release this video, we can show this verse. It's Galatians 2.20. Um, it is no longer I who live, but Christ, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And what did Paul mean when he wrote, it is no longer I who live? What do you think that means? It's a good question. So it's no longer I who lives, then I have a different source. Yes. I'm living from Christ. It's yes. my new person yes. in Christ, my new identity. Yep. It meant that God took the old sinner. God took away the sins as if they never happened. That's the beauty of this. It's hard to That's believe, isn't it? That's the depth of this. Yeah, we don't let them go that easy, do we? Nope. <laughs> oh, man. Paul, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to these who have been sanctified in Jesus Christ, and this is what you were talking about, they are now saints. We are now saints. How many times does he say 63 that? 63 times. 63 times. You're a saint, a holy one. The idea, and I can't emphasize this enough, the idea that you are a sinner saved by grace is a lie. Yeah, and this to kind of wrap this up, it says here at the end, it says, we really need to get this one right. If we don't, you will never be able to live the triumphant life that is your birthright. So this is very important. This is very important. Yeah. I think we're going to end on this one. So I want to thank you guys for listening. This is going to become a weekly um, dialogue between Clint and I. So I hope you tune in next week to see what yeah. the third lie is. And yeah. Hopefully we'll get a little better at this. Sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah.